Hello! Welcome to the Healthy Habits Happy Home Podcast, hosted by the Guelph Family Health Study. If you're interested in the most recent research and helpful tips for healthy, balanced living for you and your family, then this podcast is for you. In each episode, we will bring you topics that are important to your growing family and guests who will share their expertise and experience with you. Our quick tips will help your family build healthy habits for a happy home. Welcome back to the Healthy Habits Happy Homes podcast. I'm Marcianne, and today we're excited for this special back to school episode where we'll be discussing an important part of children's well being school lunches. And today we have a very special guest, our own co host, Tamara Patrashin. Tamara is a third year PhD candidate studying applied human nutrition in the Department of Family Relations and Applied Nutrition here at the University of Guelph, and she's also a registered dietitian. Today she's here to talk to us about school lunches and will share valuable tips to make school packing easier for parents. So let's dive in. Hey, Tamara. Hi. Thanks so much for having me on today. I'm super excited. It's definitely a bit different to be on this end of it, being a guest instead of the co-host with you. We're really excited for season six. I can't believe, you know, it's been a while since we released our last episode of season five. So how have things been? How was your summer, Marcian? Wow, it has been a while. My summer was really good. It feels like it blew by, um, but a lot happened. I wrapped up my master's degree program, so a lot of woot, woot. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. It's it's so weird to be done. I'm, I'm like, oh, what, what do I do now? But um, it was an awesome journey, and we'll see what happens in the future. But how was your summer? It was great. It was really busy. I agree with you. It flew by. I'm not sure where it went. My data collection started for my PhD project. So I'm really, really excited to that and to just kind of build on that momentum as we go into the fall. And I'm really excited to be here today. We're talking school lunches. The school year has already started, but I think that this episode will hopefully be really, really helpful for parents. Um, Especially, you know, usually when we're back to school, we have that high level of motivation. We're like, yeah, we're going to get the school lunches down pat. And as time goes on, you know, some of that motivation may wane, right? Other things get in the way, we get busy. So hopefully this episode is coming at a good time for all of you. And I really hope that this conversation today, you can take some useful tips out of for our listeners. Definitely. Well, let's jump right into it. Uh, The first question I have for you is, how did you get started in your work in the area of school lunches? So my work in the area of school lunches really began during my master's. So as part of my master's degree, my research project involved creating um, a resource to help support parents of school-aged children pack lunches. And we kind of did like a small pilot test with that. And we found in our work that parents really wanted and they really enjoyed learning about new school and lunch ideas and learning more about healthy lunch choices. Because it is one of those things that we hear from parents that like, oh man, I got to pack lunch again. Like it is one of those things that most parents do kind of dread. So that's kind of where my work began. I also just find school lunches really interesting too. Canada is actually the only country in the G7. So the group of seven countries, which include Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, the UK, and the United States that doesn't actually have currently a national school food program. So there is no federal nationwide program in place for providing school food. So this kind of leaves the provinces and other organizations to kind of fill in these gaps on providing these types of services and funding for them. 
And it is a very needed service. And the demand, honestly, since the pandemic has only increased too. And so with that, you know, there's also knowing that your kids aren't going to have these programs most of the time at school too. There's a lot of pressure on parents to pack a lunch and to pack a nourishing one as well. But there have been some moving pieces to the creation of a nationwide school food policy here in Canada. So that'll definitely be interesting to kind of follow and track and to see as time goes on how that develops. As part of my PhD too, I'm actually continuing to work in this area of school lunches. So one of my PhD projects is actually pilot testing a family-based intervention to support lunch packing and to make it easier on parents. Again, and it really is one of those things we've heard from parents that it isn't necessarily their favorite activity. So hopefully I'll have the opportunity to share um, those results from that work at some point in the future on the podcast, because I would love to do that. We can't wait to hear it. I am really looking forward to hearing the results of your research. And I didn't know that uh, Canada was the only country in the G7 that didn't have a national school program till I got here <laughs> like two years ago. And I was like, oh, goodness, that this is a thing that is really interested. I'm, I'm interesting to know like how the food policies do go in the future, because especially as someone who relied on like uh, meals in the states that were either reduced cost or free at school. It's like interesting to think what that kind of experience would have been like growing up here. So interested to follow it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's definitely, yeah, I'm sure it is different for you in the states where you have these school food programs and like everyone's participating, right? It's kind of like universal that everyone has access to it. Whereas here, that's not necessarily the case. You know, there are some programs and reduced cost or, you know, subsidized lunches that are available, but it's not universal in any mean, means across the country. So yeah, it's definitely an interesting perspective. I'm sure that you have with your school food program in the States. Yeah, this is, I feel like a lot of this information is going to be very helpful for me <laughs> moving forward as someone who does want to settle down here and wants to have kids in the future. So I'm taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> So creating a balanced and nutritious lunch can be daunting for some parents. Why is it so important to pack a healthy school lunch? Packing a healthy school lunch for school is so important for a number of reasons. So first off, when you think about it, children really do spend a large portion of their day at school, right? It's it's from, you know, 8.30 to like 3 o'clock. That's a pretty significant amount of time that you're at school. And making healthy food choices at school can have an impact on a child's overall health and well-being. But a lot of research has shown that children don't eat enough vegetables, fruits, whole grains, and healthy protein foods on school days. So a lunchbox full of whole foods, so whole foods meaning vegetables, fruits, whole grains, protein foods, gives your child the energy to play and to focus and to concentrate and to learn all day at school. These foods contain, you know, the essential vitamins and minerals that children need to grow and develop and to be able to participate in their learning fully. And we also know, too, that learning to enjoy a variety of food also takes time and practice for kids. And lunchtime is a really great opportunity to build those food skills and curiosity. And it also helps to develop a positive relationship with food as well. And part of school lunches, too, is that they are inherently social, right? Everybody's kind of together, like kids are with their friends. And eating together is just so important, not only for our development, but also for the connection aspect, right? So connecting with others, getting to eat with others, the connection with our food, this all adds enjoyment to our eating as well, which is important. School lunches too are an excellent opportunity for kids to set an example too. So it might, you know, if one child sees somebody else trying this food that they've always said, no, 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 I don't want to try it. It might actually being around their peers and seeing them eat that, it might actually encourage them to make that choice as well to try it. So there's a number of reasons why it's so important to pack a healthy school lunch. 
wow, as I'm listening to you, you're just bringing me back to like being in the cafeteria as a child. <laughs> School lunches really are like a very important time. If you would have asked me at certain ages, what was my favorite subject in school? It would have been lunch um, because it really is that time where we start to make some of our like first core memories of what it's like to have social interactions around food apart from our family. <laughs> and so it's such an important time for kids. Oh, that's so true. It's really like even just talking about it really takes me back and you mentioning how that's really the beginning of like starting our core memories I'm like yeah like I remember eating at the on the gym floor (laughs) which you know sounds a little bit silly it wasn't quite a cafeteria for me in elementary school but eating on the gym floor and how just being around all my friends and like getting to connect over food like it was a really enjoyable part of of school for me as well so much fun so much fun how long did you all um usually have for your school lunches So I think things have changed a little bit since I've been in elementary school, but currently right now, the school schedule for elementary, for most elementary schools anyways, is that it's divided up into two nutrition breaks as opposed to like one lunchtime in the middle of the day. So these are usually about 45 minutes each. And with that too, that's also including recess. So it's not necessarily like the lunchtime eating is like full 45 minutes. There's recess with that as well. So that's something to consider. And then in high school, it's about an hour that they get. Oh, interesting. Okay, that's cool. Yes, definitely different than what I I grew up with. I'm like, man, I should have gone to school here. Um, (laughs) But we had about like 25 to 30 minutes. And some of that, you know, a good bulk of that could be like in the line. And then you got to like park your food down and run back to class on time. So that's really cool. Like the nutritional breaks and then giving an hour to the high schoolers. That's really cool. Right. Another thing that we're hearing from parents, too, is that sometimes children are a bit rushed to eat their lunch. So that's definitely a a concern here as well. So what are some key elements that parents should keep in mind when planning their child's school lunch to ensure it's both healthy and enjoyable? So first off, I love the focus on both healthy and enjoyable because the enjoyable part is really what's going to make sure that they eat the food in their lunch, right? Just because it's healthy doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to eat it. So that's important to remember about that too. One easy guideline when thinking about what to include in a lunch is kind of like referred to as like the rule of four. And now I hate the word rule in regards to like food and eating. It's just a word to make this a little bit easier to remember. But you basically just want to make sure that you include at least one fruit from each of these four groups. So vegetables first off. So this can be raw vegetables, you know, that are cut up. It can be leafy greens. It can be cooked vegetables. It can be a vegetable soup, anything like that. And then there's fruit. So this, again, can be raw and cut up. It can be frozen fruit. It can be cooked. Um, It can be like an unsweetened applesauce, something like that. And then we've got protein-rich foods. So leftover meat, poultry or fish, eggs, yogurt, milk, cheese, beans and lentils, tofu. There's a bunch of different options there. And then finally, we've got whole grain foods. So whole grain breads, you know, pitas, tortillas, naan, crackers, brown rice, quinoa, barley. There's a bunch of different um, ways to add variation with that too. So basically, you just want to make sure that you've got one from each of those four groups. So vegetables, fruit, protein-rich foods, and whole grain foods. And then we also don't want to forget water. First for thirst is what we always say. That's a saying. So packing a reusable water bottle so that they can fill up throughout the day and stay hydrated as well. And now you might be wondering too, like, okay, the rule of four, I've got these groups. 
so which protein rich food am I going to include? Which vegetable am I going to include? And it's actually a really great idea to just ask your child, you know, what they'd like to see. Because it's actually been shown in the research that kids are more likely to eat things that they've been a part of making or a part of the decision making that's gone into it. So asking your child what food that they like to see in their lunch is a really great place to start. That's awesome. First to thirst. I've never heard that. That is so good. Water first for thirst. Water first for thirst. Water first for thirst. I like that. (laughs) Um, And I too, like I share that sentiment about the whole like thing of rules, but that is a healthy breakdown or helpful breakdown for me to even think in the future, like when I'm with my siblings of like packing their lunches and things like that. Allowing kids to be a part of the decision-making process is so helpful. It, again, brings me back to being a child with my parents and them asking me, what do you want for lunch in the upcoming weeks? Like, what should we get when we go to the grocery store? And my first instinct is like the snacks, right? Like I want yogos, I want swoops, I want some like fruit snacks. Like that's the first thing that comes to mind. But them being like, all right, before we go to the snack aisles, like let's go to the produce aisle. And them like allowing me to pick out my favorite fruits and veggies. I actually ate those fruits and veggies. (laughs) Right. Really helpful. That's awesome. Convenience is crucial for busy parents. Could you suggest some practical and time-saving ideas for prepping and packing school lunches that are both healthy and that kids would enjoy? Definitely. You know, this is something that we've heard from a lot of parents. You know, it's not often their favorite task and they face a lot of challenges when trying to pack a healthy lunchbox, you know, ranging from a lack of time. That's a huge one. Picky eaters, food waste, school food allergy policies, rising food costs, you know, there's so many reasons that make this very challenging. So it's always helpful to have some things kind of in your back pocket to make it a bit easier. So during some busy, hectic weekday schedules, meal prep or meal planning is a really great tool for busy families to stay on track. So doing some of the following can really help shorten some of that time, hopefully that it takes to pack lunches. So Discussing with your child what types of foods from the four food groups above they'd like to see included in their lunches. So we were just kind of speaking about that briefly. Also collecting and flagging favorite recipes to try and incorporate in their lunch. So if you've got a recipe book or if you've got some things bookmarked online that you know that they love, try pulling those things together and see how they could work as lunches. Also setting aside some time each week to plan the menu, write out the grocery list and grocery shop too. Um, And you want to make sure that you check out what you've got going on in your fridge and your pantry before going to the grocery store, because that way you can make sure that everything gets used up and you can try and find ways to kind of incorporate things that are maybe, maybe reaching the end of their time in the fridge. (laughs) And then also last night's dinner makes a really great lunch tomorrow. So see if you can make any extra dinner portions that can be saved for a leftover lunch the next day. It's also really helpful too to make extra portions for another couple of days of meals or to freeze for use in the future too. So kind of like batch cooking, making a really big batch, you know, maybe it's egg bites or maybe it's, you know, something like that, muffins, things like that, that you can make a ton of on the weekend, freeze and then take out throughout the week. Just really make sure if you are putting things in the freezer, you want to make sure that you label and date what goes in the freezer so that you can know what you have on hand <laughs> and also using clear containers too. That way you can see what you've got going on in there easily without having to open things. And it's also really helpful too, if you're doing something like muffins to freeze them in individual portions, because that way you can take out however many you need, as opposed to like thawing a whole batch. And then it's also a tricky part with leftovers is to not forget about the leftovers. So that's also something that we've got to consider. 
Also preparing staple foods that you know that your child enjoys and that can be easily incorporated into lunches. So some good examples of this are like hard boiled eggs, chopping up a bunch of like carrots and celery, you know, some fruit, washing some fruit for the week. Those are really simple things that don't take a lot of time on the weekend. And then they can easily just be thrown in a lunchbox throughout the week. And also, this is a really big one, but timing really is everything. So take advantage of that time after dinner. You know, your kitchen's already a mess. You've cooked, you know, there's dishes. Take that time out. There's already food out. The kitchen's already has a lot going on. Pack lunches for the next day in this time. So that way, when you clean up the kitchen, put everything away, and then you can rest easy knowing that lunch for the next day is already in the fridge and you're already good to go. Great tips. Those are so helpful. I'm even taking notes as, as a meal prepper myself, never now. <laughs> Definitely. You know what? It's not just for lunches. Like this can be said for, you know, our meals, right? In general. Exactly. It's so helpful, especially like the the planning things ahead of time, like actually going through the kitchen and the pantry and making sure that things get used, you know, trying to reduce food waste, to also avoid buying things that you already have at home. And it, it can seem daunting, like, oh, I don't really want to write a meal plan or <laughs> a shopping list or something. But it really does help like future me. Thanks present me because in those moments it can I I could be stressed when I'm trying to plan a meal so having all of that already done ahead of time is so helpful and then even the tip about making the lunches like after dinner when the kitchen is already a mess and open I was like that's genius (laughs) (laughs) you already have everything done so these are amazing tips and from what you said about, you know, making extra portions, is, is there any tips as to how to keep the food uh, fresh when you do pack it like the next day, how to keep things cold or hot? Yeah, we definitely want to consider food safety. That's really important. So we want to make sure that we're keeping things safe from that perspective. It's very rare for schools, um, especially elementary schools, for children to have access to a microwave. So it's really important, you know, to keep hot foods hot. So if you're bringing, you know, if you're packing soup or something like that, there's a really easy tip actually that I just recently learned this summer is to actually boil some hot water, put that into the thermos first before you put in the hot food and let it sit for a couple of minutes to really warm it up and then pour the boiling water out of the thermos as you're heating the hot food to steaming hot. So then you put that hot food in the thermos, seal the thermos, and then it's going to stay hot. That's genius. I've never heard of that. That's amazing. (laughs) It's a tip I came across in in my work this summer. And I thought to myself, wow, how have I never heard this either? So that's definitely a great tip for keeping hot foods hot. We also want to keep cold foods cold. So if we're bringing things like sandwiches with cheese in them, you know, those are definitely things that we don't want to sit in the so-called danger zone, right? Um, At a certain temperature for too long. So we want to make sure that you're using an insulated lunch bag and that you're using an ice pack so that those foods are kept cold until they're ready to be eaten. And then when we are packing lunches the night before, just making sure they're stored in the fridge overnight and they're not left out on the counter so that it's cold and ready to go. And also like just kind of in terms of general hygiene with the lunch kits and stuff, have your child empty and wash their lunchbox in any beverage containers as soon as they get home from school with hot soapy water. So we want to make sure that things are clean and safe. I actually remember when I was a kid, there was a few times like a banana got left in my bag for like a little too long and you know 
mushy banana at the bottom of a book bag is not really ideal. So by getting kids into this routine from the start, it's just kind of part of that after school, you know, we're going to take everything out, keep things clean and safe, which is really important too, especially, you know, with keeping the hot foods hot and the cold foods cold when, you know, there's not access to things like fridges at school and microwaves and things like that all the time necessarily. So there's just a few things in that sense to pay attention to. I just wanted to say how like future Tamara has definitely thanked past Tamara a few times for like making overnight oats in the morning for breakfast. But it's also gone the other way too, where future Tamara was like, why didn't you take that f- a little amount of time to meal prep? Because it would have made your week so much easier. But at the same time too, everyone has different schedules and it's hard. Like it's easy to say, oh, we should all meal prep. But unfortunately, you know, sometimes life just takes over and gets busy and that's okay too. But keeping it keeping it not overwhelming, you know, maybe it's just meal prepping two or three lunches a week, because that's all you have capacity for. That's better than, you know what I mean, nothing and stuff like that. So you just have to allow yourself a a little bit of grace and kind of start somewhere. Exactly. Great points. (laughs) Those are awesome tips about keeping food fresh and trying to avoid that like danger zone and just food safety in general. So thank you for do- for telling us that. And I also just feel like when you mentioned the, the mushy banana <laughs> in the bottom of the bag, I'm like, I think all of us have had some mushy bananas or apples. Yes. Yep. <laughs> There's always, I think every person has a mushy banana story that just, or it's the same <laughs> apple. I feel like that goes back into the lunchbox all week before yes. finally getting eaten. Um, yes. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> it happens to the best of us. It does. Oh my goodness. We often hear about the importance of variety in a child's diet. How can parents introduce new foods and flavors in school lunches to expand their child's palate while still making sure they eat their lunch? This is a really important question. I think this is an area where some parents may struggle, especially those that may have picky eaters. Kids sometimes, you know, complain about having too much food in their lunchbox or not enough food in their lunchbox. Sometimes they barely eat the food in the lunchbox at all. So if this happens, just try asking them about why they avoid some items in the lunchbox. You know, it could be that they didn't have enough time to eat. So we've already kind of talked about that there is really a limited amount of time in the Ontario classrooms specifically to eat lunch. It could also be that they had trouble opening the packages. Some of those snack packages, you know what I mean? Like even lunchboxes too. It also could be that they can't open, you know, the clasp on their lunchbox. So these are things to practice before the school year starts, just to make sure that they aren't having any difficulties with actually getting into the food, because that would obviously be a pretty big deterrent for them getting to eat that food. So you want to make sure that in that sense, everything is okay. But also it could be that they were just simply less hungry that day. You know, even as we get older and as adults, sometimes we're more hungry, sometimes we're less hungry and that's okay too. But two really key things with trying new foods is one is to take time trying them and two to stay neutral if they don't eat the new foods. So in terms of taking time trying new foods, you know, you can try adding a small amount of a new food to their lunchbox and reintroduce it on and off to see if they grow to like it. Now, one really important aspect of this is to not pressure your child to eat foods they don't like. It might take many, 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 many exposures to get a child to like a new food. And again, lunchtime doesn't have to be that time of introducing new foods either. You know, if it's constantly a battle, things aren't coming back uneaten, it can be another time. There's a lot of reasons at lunch um, that it might not be the best time or even environment to introduce new foods, especially with somebody that's a bit more skeptical or hesitant to trying new foods. 
kids get distracted, there's friends, you know, recess is coming, they want to go outside and play, all that. So it's totally okay. You can try, you know, at dinner time, maybe at home when it's a bit more relaxed. It doesn't have to be that new foods are getting sent at lunch. We also want to make sure too, you know, that we praise when our child is eating new foods. We want to praise them for doing that, but we also want to stay neutral if they choose not to eat it. So the reality is, is that they're not going to love everything that you pack in their lunchbox and that's totally okay. In terms of some kind of like ideas or tips on just like trying to expand your child's palate, including colorful fruits and vegetables in every lunch is really a great tip for this because sometimes those fun colors and those bright colors might entice them to take a bite. Also mixing things up so you can go beyond the sandwich. You can try rolls and wraps, leftovers, just kind of mixing it up in that way. Also, a few changes in preparation and packaging can really encourage kids to give new foods a try. So making, you know, food more bite-sized, you know, more fun to eat, that kind of thing. I do say that with a bit of a caveat, though, because I think we've all seen those like Instagram, Pinterest, like picture-perfect lunches, and they don't have to look that way. You don't have to stick googly eyes on things or, you know, use cookie cutters um, and things like that to make fun shapes out of things. While it might help for some kids to help and entice them into taking a new bite, too, It also is a lot of time. So if you don't have the time for that, that is totally okay. Release yourself from that pressure and that expectation. And to be honest, if your child wants to eat the same thing for lunch most days, that's okay. I've already, you know, kind of mentioned that lunchtime doesn't have to be the time that you're trying new foods. In fact, if you're sending the same foods often or even daily, it's okay as long as they're getting what they need and that they're healthy and that they're developing as they should be. We also really want to build autonomy around healthy food choices. So again, when we're meal planning lunches, asking your child what they'd like to eat for lunch for the week or get them to pick out a particular food from a food group. So for example, you're at the grocery store um, with your child and you're like, okay, what vegetable do we want to include in lunches this week? It's just a fun way of getting them involved. And we also had a really, really great podcast episode last season, season five with Dr. Catherine Walton about picky eating. So if you haven't already checked out that episode, Dr. Walton shared a lot of really great tips and information about this. So I would definitely recommend checking out that episode. Definitely check it out because it it was awesome getting to speak with her. (laughs) Thank you so much, Tamara. That was really informative and some really good tips. I feel like overall, there's, there's a lot of grace and patience. I feel like parents need to give to themselves, um, as well as their child. Um, you know, speaking from a daughter's perspective, everything you said about, you know, maybe that environment of a school lunch isn't always the time, you know, to introduce new foods, they might not always eat it. I was distracted talking to my friends and, you know, kind of playing with my ears, because when the lunch room got loud, you can like hear different things. <laughs> like, you know, we were just right. Yeah, <laughs> we were doing weird things as kids. So sometimes, yeah. you know, eating all of our food w- wasn't the first thing on our, on our brain. Sometimes it's when I got home, and I was like, I'm really hungry. Before I went out to play, I like right. scuffed it all down. <laughs> So there's so many factors and and just even like as humans, our taste buds develop and change over time. You know, I'm just now loving kale and cantaloupe and Brussels sprouts. That was something my parents were like, I give up. (laughs) Right. Yeah, for sure. They do change, right? Like the tastes develop and they change throughout our lifetime. That's a really great point. Yep. I always, I try to remember that like a no now doesn't mean a no forever. So we'll see what happens in the future. Yeah, that's a really good way to to put it, actually. I really like that. A no now doesn't mean a no forever. 
with that being said, you know, introducing new foods, the discussion we've been having so, so far, I feel like we can't have this discussion without addressing food waste. So food waste is a concern for many families, especially when it comes to uneaten school lunches. Are there strategies parents can employ to minimize food waste while ensuring their kids get the nutrition they need? For sure. And this is like a really big concern too, because of course, like, you know, with the rising food costs and everything as well, we want to be really mindful of how much food that we're wasting, right? So we want to make sure if we're packing something, if we're paying for it, obviously we want to make sure it gets eaten. It makes a lot of sense. So I think first off, just getting to the root of why is it coming back? So some of those things I talked about earlier, can they open their containers? Is that is that a problem? Can they open all the packaging? Make sure of these things, right? So just ask, ask those questions. Also, we've spoken about this a bit too, but involving your kids in planning and packing their own lunches for school can help decrease the amount of food that comes home uneaten. So the more kids are involved, the more likely that they're going to be really excited about what they're going to eat the next day. You know, the, they might be at school and they're like, oh, I packed this lunch last night with my parents and it was awesome. Like it was a great experience, right? Um, so it adds a bit of that excitement. There's also a few other ways that you can get your kids involved with packing lunches. So we've talked about going to the grocery store and, you know, Would you like raw carrots this week? Would you like pepper sticks? You know, making them make the choice. You can also get them to help you wash and slice fruits and vegetables, of course, if that's age appropriate, depending on the age of your child. Um, You can also ask for help when putting the different foods in their lunchbox. And you can also give your kids accountability with their lunchbox, both when you're packing it and also when it comes back from the end of the day. So we already talked about making sure that, uh, you know, When we get back from school, they can dispose of all the food that is spoiled and cleaning their lunchbox containers. Again, it's just them being and having an active role and being participants in lunch packing that is going to help them be more involved, more excited, and hopefully contributes to trying and and eating all the food that's sent. Now, all of that sounds great. And you brought up some really good points. I feel like communication really is key, especially open communication. It's just so crazy how food really is so central to a lot of our human experiences. These practices and open communication about food can involve into open communication about other things, especially, you know, in the parent and child relationship. So I just think that allowing there to be these conversations giving your kids accountability, things like that. It's just such good skills that they can like bring into other areas of their life. Definitely. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, many schools have policies or restrictions on what can be brought in for lunch due to allergies. How can parents work within these constraints while still providing diverse and healthy meal options for their children? Yeah, and this is really important too, right? I think um, first things first, like it's just really important to read that allergy policy. Be very knowledgeable about what you can and can't bring into that school environment. Obviously, those policies are in place for a reason. It's to keep everybody safe um, and healthy. So we want to make sure that, you know, we've read the policy, we understand what foods can and can't be sent And then, of course, when we're packing foods, if you're not sure, just read the ingredient lists. Things like that will help determine whether or not those foods are included. And if, you know, there's a food 
that you really want to include, but you can't because of, you know, the allergy policy. It's just the safest thing to do is to just not include it in a lunch. Um, you can introduce that food at other times. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to go in the lunch bag. So just save those for the home environment where it's safe for everybody, because we definitely don't want to put other people and other kids at risk by bringing foods that are not safe per the allergy policy. So definitely want to make sure that we read that allergy policy and that we're well aware of what we can and can't send. And then, like I said, if there's a food that you can't send, just introduce it at home where it's safe for everybody. So, so true. We really want to keep our friends safe and also happy. You know, when I, at a certain age, I wasn't able to bring like cupcakes to school anymore on my birthday or certain nut products in certain classrooms. And it definitely is like a mourning of how things used to be. But at the same time, we do have friends and peers who do have different dietary needs. And we want to be respectful to that and also allow them to have a fun and safe experience at school and not have to go to the nurse's office or something for an allergic reaction. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the cupcakes too, and like bringing treats in, there's other, you know, there's other things too, that are just as exciting, like maybe for a younger, for younger kids, it's stickers, right? Like bringing in some fun stickers on the birthday instead of a cake or things like that, right? Like there's other things that can be brought in that kind of bring about the same level of um, excitement because it's something different. That is so true. Stickers are so much fun, even as adults. (laughs) And of course, yeah, when you mentioned cupcakes and I mentioned stickers, you know, I'm not necessarily saying like, oh, stickers are the same as cupcakes or cake. I just means more so, you know, if there's a dairy allergy or if there's, you know what I mean, certain reasons that those uh, foods aren't allowed to be brought into the classroom, there are other alternatives that exist. Very true. So, so true. Now, it's not uncommon for children to trade or share their lunches at school, potentially leading to an exchange of less healthy items. How can parents communicate with their children about the importance of their lunch choices while still respecting their autonomy? Yeah, and this is such an important thing to cover and to talk about too. I think really just, you know, first off, having those conversations about why healthy lunches are important, and then also keeping those lines of communication open figuring out the why of why things are coming back and coming up with a plan together to change that. Also giving them more input on their lunch. We've talked about that too. But it's also important to remember too that kids are really building their autonomy, especially with younger kids. Food is often the one thing that they feel that they can control. So they're not necessarily, you know, making the decisions of what's, you know, on the plate or in the lunch box necessarily all the time, right? But they can control whether or not they eat it. And so that feels good to them to have that piece of control, right? Because as a child, you don't have a lot of control over a lot of things. So we do want to make sure that we're respecting their autonomy and making food choices and supporting them too in in developing this autonomy with food. But we also want to make sure that they're equipped with the knowledge of foods that nourish us and that give us energy for the day. And of course, too, if they're saying no to a food, it's not necessarily a bad thing if that's how they feel, right? We want to respect and be open, respect their autonomy that they are saying no to that food. We don't want to take it personally necessarily if they don't like a specific food, if that's what feels right for them right now at this moment. But it's kind of like what you said earlier, just because it's a no now doesn't mean that it's going to be a no forever. Maybe it's just put on the back burner now and maybe reintroduced at a later time. 
I'm not a parent, but my experience working with parents is that they work really hard to pack these lunches. So getting that pushback, them coming back uneaten, it's really hard. And fostering autonomy in your children is hard too, as they're getting older, because there's so many different factors that influence a child's eating, especially as they're growing older and there's more influences in their lives. But really just at the end of the day, that communication and just continuing those conversations is really important. So true. Honestly, it's it's just so interesting. I feel like I'm I'm remembering experiences from when I was a child and also it's just giving me more perspective into some of the different things my parents might have been wrestling with trying to nourish me as a child and it makes me have so much grace for them, you know, cuz cuz it is finding that balance, right? Like if trades are happening or when they're happening, your kid is sharing we want them to share or when they say they don't like a food, we want them to speak up for themselves. Right. Right. (laughs) So it's like, these are good skills to have in life, but it is like that balance of also like educating them so that they can try to make more informed decisions. And if they still choose to, to say no trade, things like that, respecting it. So um, I don't know, a lot of growing, growing. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And I mean, one thing too, with the trading too, that gets a little bit difficult is that they don't necessarily understand maybe like allergies and stuff like that as well. So we want to make sure that we're having those conversations because it's not necessarily always appropriate to be trading because we're not sure uh, the person on the other end, you know, what their dietary restrictions may be if they have any allergies. So that's, it's important to kind of keep our lunches to our own. Very true. Another question I have for you is as children's taste and dietary needs may change over time, How can parents adapt their approach to lunch packing to accommodate these changes and maintain a positive attitude towards nutritious eating? Again, I think it's just coming back to a lot of what we talked about this episode, keeping those open lines of communication, getting the kids involved in packing their lunch, asking why things came back, things like that. And as children get older too, just passing off more and more of that lunch packing responsibility to them too right? And giving them and allowing them to practice this autonomy around their food choices. This will help them build food skills, give them accountability, and also increase their interest in their lunch. Great tips. Great tips. I'm taking notes. Um, (laughs) Before we end, as you know, Tamara, we usually ask our guests to share three take-home tips for parents. So what are three quick tips you can share with our listeners so that they can make lunch packing easier? So number one, and I don't think this is going to be a surprise, is to get the kids involved. I've said that a lot this podcast. So whether that's actually helping to prepare and pack the lunches, or if it's going grocery shopping together, involving the kids in the lunch packing process will make them a lot more likely to enjoy and to eat their lunches. Number two is to meal prep ahead of time. So make a menu for the week, prepare in advance, cook extra portions at dinner, you know, packing those lunches, like I said, um, when things from dinner are already out and your kitchen's already kind of a mess anyways, um, that you can clean all of it up. All those things are going to help make lunches throughout the week easier. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to prep every single meal every single day. You know, if lunches are really the thing you want to start with, let's, you know, start with an attainable goal for you. If that's I'm going to meal prep two lunches a week, that feels good for you, then start there. Start somewhere where it feels attainable and then it'll only get easier to build on that and to maybe make that four a week, for example. And number three, don't get bogged down by the picture-perfect lunches. So we see these all the time on social media, you know, sure, using cookie cutters and, you know, 
adding googly eyes to fruits and vegetables looks cuter. But if you don't have a lot of time for that, if you don't enjoy that, if it's causing you a lot of stress as a parent, it's okay. Release yourself from the pressure and the expectations of having picture-perfect lunches for kids. As long as you're including nourishing foods and foods that your kids will enjoy, they're going to get what they need to get out of it. So those are my three quick tips. Awesome tips, Tamara. Thank you so much for that, especially the third one, you know, like, I'm glad you brought us back to like what the point of it all is, because social media is great. You can learn a lot, get some really good ideas, but sometimes it can foster like also that comparative monster or (laughs) the feeling of like, oh, I I wish I could do this or I want to do that. And then we can start feeling like discouraged. So I'm glad that you mentioned that and kind of refocused uh, attention to to what's really the point of it all. Yes, definitely. It is. It's really easy for us all to get bogged down by comparison on social media. I think it's just inherent, unfortunately, but we've got to give ourselves grace and release ourselves from pressure and expectations. It's just so important. Exactly. Thank you so much, Tamara, for providing such valuable insights into the world of school lunches. I'm sure your insights can help parents navigate the challenges of lunch packing with confidence, ensuring their children enjoy healthy and delicious meals. And to our listeners, we hope this episode empowers you to create nourishing lunches that fuel your child's growth and academic success. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been really fun today, switching things up a bit and being on the other end of it. So I'm so glad that I could come on to talk about school lunches because it really is an area that I just love working in. And I hope that our listeners really enjoyed this episode. And with that, stay tuned for more episodes of the Healthy Habits Happy Homes podcast. Thank you.